Okay, Matthew chapter 7. As we begin here, we're continuing in this series, Jesus is King, and we're reading the words of the King and what he expects of his disciples. And so last week, last Sunday morning, we were in verses 13 and 14. I'd like to reread those. He's in the concluding part of his message. After everything he has said, it's, it's not just, he has not said this to entertain. He has not said this to fill time. He has said this because this is what he expects of his disciples, those that would follow him. And so he says in verse number 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to what? Destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto what? Life. All right, so we've got a contrast here, don't we? We've got many versus few. We've got straight and narrow versus broad and wide. And then we have destruction versus life. There's only two choices. Only two ways. Only two ways. According to Jesus, there's only two ways. You say, I thought there was a bunch of ways. There's only two ways, according to Jesus. Few there be that find it. Two ways. Verse 15 through 23, we're going to consider today two types of preachers, two types of prophets, true and false. Two different foundations for life in the latter part of the chapter, verses 24 through the end. A solid rock foundation and sinking sand. It's that simple, isn't it? I thought life was much more complicated than that. That's it. According to the Savior. Well, let's read verse 15 now. He says to his disciples, then he says to us now, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Vicious, the idea of ravening, vicious wolves. How do I know who's true and who's not? Verse 16, he begins to answer that. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree or a diseased tree would be the idea there. A bad tree, obviously. Bringeth forth evil fruit. Verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cut down, and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, he says, ye shall what? Know them. Let's keep reading. I, I realize we could take a whole sermon just on that. You might feel like we're going to. Um, but the context of it goes on into verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. Here's the verdict. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Now that doesn't mean that God's not omniscient, that he doesn't know their name. That's not what it means. Of course not. What it means is, I don't acknowledge that you've truly repented of your sin. I don't acknowledge that you're a believer. I never knew you. 
I don't recognize you. The Lord knows those that are his. He says to these who were involved in a lot of works, I never knew you. I never had relationship with you. Now, those are sobering words that obviously all of us ought to take heed to. They're, they're not there by Jesus to generate unwarranted fear in us. Are, are you listening to me? I'm not here today to cause anybody here that is genuinely saved, genuinely born again by the grace of God, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in his finished work. I'm not here to cause anybody to doubt, but everybody here ought to stop and think and evaluate. Did I believe like Jesus wanted me to believe? I never knew you. Depart from me. Last part of verse 23. Depart from me, ye that work or practice. The idea it's ongoing, it's habitual. Ye that work iniquity. Verse 24, there's a hinged verse there. Therefore, whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. He's a wise man. We'll come to that. But right now, how about, we just, um, how about we just consider these verses, verse 15 through 23, and uh, here's the title. The self-deception of false prophets. The self-deception of false prophets. Who does the Lord acknowledge as authentic? Who does the Lord acknowledge as authentic? Authentic. A key thing for you to consider today is, are you an authentic believer? Are you an authentic believer? And then this, and then this, just so you think you're thinking ahead. Am I allowing authentic believers to influence the direction of my life? Would you consider that? Because he's, he's talking to his disciples saying, you better be careful because there's people that look good, but they're not. Well, how do I know? Well, that's what we're here to consider. There's a lot right here. There's a lot right here. And I want to be real careful with it. Uh, I want to try to be a help. And uh, the word has been a help to me personally. I'm thankful for it. And I trust and I know it's been a help to many of you. Um, there's a lot of confusion in the world. And thank God we have a standard to go by. Amen. Truth is not subject to experience. Truth is subject to what says the Lord. I've, had, I've met a lot of people that said, I had a dream and a vision. Mm. Preacher, I had this experience. Wait a minute. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. God's not unclear. God's clear. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Let's check it out today. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. Sure pray for God's help here this morning. One man said this, greater numbers profess Christ than actually follow him. Greater numbers profess Christ than actually follow him. True or false? It's true. According to Jesus, it's true. Greater numbers profess Christ. Honestly, that's sad. It's sad. And by the way, it's not God's fault. It's not because he's been unclear. It's because there's a real enemy. And if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And our own self-delusion and our own flesh will really leave people confused. Greater numbers profess Christ today than actually follow him. Well, listen, I realize you can't account for everybody here today. And that's the reason I want to make this message very personal. I really just want you to personalize this and apply this uh, to where you are in your life to make sure that you are a genuine, authentic disciple, authentic believer, first of all, that you know for sure that you've been saved. Can you know that? The Bible says that these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. The, God, the Bible makes it clear that a person... Before you die, 
you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. This is not a, well, I sure hope so, or, well, maybe so, or, or I sure hope my good works outweigh my bad. Listen, that's a terrible way to live. And God doesn't want you to live with consternation every day. I, I wonder if I'm saved. If I, I wonder if I'm not saved. That's, that's not God's plan for anybody. It's not God's plan for you. God wants it very, very clear. But it is true, and sadly so, that there are many masquerading as Christians today. There are many counterfeits. There are many masquerading as preachers. Masquerading as messiahs. Masquerading as apostles. Masquerading as prophets and prophetesses. I saw it yesterday. I was... Uh, here on visitation, there, and I saw two groups out on visitation. I saw one group at 44th and May, all dressed in the same color, holding signs that said, and with speaker system and saying this, keep the Ten Commandments and live. Keep the Ten Commandments and live. Well, how important are the Ten Commandments? Vitally important. Should we endeavor to keep them? Absolutely. They are not 10 suggestions. They're 10 commandments. But did God design the 10 commandments to save you? No. Paul said, see what I'm doing here? I'm taking something that's being said, and please, I hope nobody thinks, well, you're being unkind mentioning those. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. And Jesus wants us to be discerning. And so, uh, here they are saying, keep the commandments and live. I wanted to ask, in a kind way, I wanted to ask, so are you? Are you what? Are you keeping the Ten Commandments? All of them. If the only way, would you please reason with me here just a moment. If the only way for you to go to heaven is for you to keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, how are you doing on that? Have you committed adultery? You say, no, not the physical act. Jesus said, have you looked upon someone with lust? If so, if you've even just looked and thought about it, Jesus said, you've committed adultery in your heart. Now how are we doing? Keep the commandments and live. If you're going to do that, you have to do it perfectly. If you can't do that, you need a savior. You need a savior. Paul said, what I'm doing is I'm taking something that's being said by so-called prophets or so-called preachers or teachers, these false teachers. I'm just saying what, what they are. And here, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, condemnatory. I'm not trying to, be, I'm not better than anybody else and neither are you. But what we must do, what we must do, church, and what we must do, uh, those of you that are guests here, what we must do is very quickly run to the Bible to see what does the Lord say. And Paul said that the law is given as a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It shows us that we have spiritual need. It shows us that we have violated the laws of a holy God. It shows us that we have broken his commandments and it shows us that we cannot. You will come up short, but he did not. He, was, he lived perfectly. He lived holy and he died in your place. And he'll save anybody who has broken his, his commandments. Now, that's what the Bible says is salvation. Anything else is works. Well, I, I think you just should be more broad-minded and go to hell and let people go to hell. You say, well, I don't know if there really is a hell. Jesus said that in hell, he lifted up his, his eyes being in torments, which means he didn't burn up in a second. He's still burning today. You say, on what grounds do you have to say that? I don't have any grounds to say that except just to say this. That's what Jesus said. And unless you've been crucified, buried, and risen again, you don't have authority to say otherwise. Yeah. So, who should we go by here? Well, I think we better go to by what Jesus said. Why do you count him to be right? Why do you count him to be true? Well, because what he said would happen, happened. 
and he verified it by his resurrection. So I'm just telling you, there are going to be many Christ, many people that say I'm the Messiah. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But there are going to be many. But until they've been buried and rise again, then don't believe them. But if he rose again and there were witnesses of his resurrected body, then we ought to believe him. And we do. And so what we're doing here is not in vain. It's not myth. It's not legend. It's not fable. It's verifiable truth. I'm telling you, that's what, what the word of God is here helping us. And, and Peter said, we were eyewitnesses of his glory, but you have a more reliable word. You have a more sure word of prophecy, wherein you do well that you take heed as into a light, a light that shineth in a very dark place. I saw another group out yesterday, bus workers that went out having had a good meal of biscuits and gravy because that's soul winning food, don't you know? <laughs> they went out with biscuits and gravy and, and, uh, and they went out with tracks and they went out caring about kids that needed to ride the bus and teenagers and adults and, and others not going out on bus routes, but they were going out just door to door and they were going with the everlasting gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they went with the truth that there's only one way to heaven and that's through him. And there's no way you could earn it on your own. They went with the truth. There's two groups there. How do you know which one is right? Doesn't the Bible say, judge not? It did in verse number one of chapter seven, judge not. Well, aren't you judging? Well, the same Lord who said, judge not, also said you'll know him by their fruits. And that means to be discerning. I'm saying today, there are many who are smooth in their delivery, charming in their personality, but flawed in their doctrine. And Jesus said, beware. He wouldn't say beware if there wasn't something to beware of. You come up to a gate, you come up to a door and it says, beware of dog. I take those signs seriously. I'm just telling you, I do. I take them seriously. I shake. I, now I generally will try to go in. Brother, Brother Ted says if they have a dog, they just don't get saved. We just pass on to the next, next house and... <laughs> I'm not throwing you under the bus, brother. Yeah, but I'm just, and I understand that I've skipped some houses, you know, because man, there's a big pit bull or there's, there's some dog that doesn't seem to like me or whatever. I don't know. But, but you know, I'll, if I, if it says beware dog, I shake the fence and, and wait for something to come out from under the porch. Right. Well, they got a sign there. Beware of dog because most often there's a dog there. Jesus says, beware. I don't think I don't think that means we're supposed to go out on a, on, a, on a false prophet hunt and go looking for them and then calling them all out. When you see a deer crossing and it says, uh, you know, the, the yellow sign, it's got the deer jumping and, and that's indicating, hey, you better watch out. This, this area is prone to deer coming across. That doesn't mean hunt here. <laughs> Although that would make sense, but you just can't set up a Deer stand on the interstate, all right? So don't, don't do that. But it is saying this, hey, while you're not going to be looking for deer, you better watch out. You're not going to be hunting them here, but you better watch out. Jesus is saying, listen, in your normal course of life, you better beware because there's going to be some false prophets. In fact, he alerted us to the fact that, that they're going to increase if you read Matthew 24, there'll be many that will come in his name, many that will say that they are Christ's, many that will say that they are a prophet, many that claim that they are God's spokesman on the earth. And yet their words don't align with the word of God. The Lord wants us to take it seriously. Even though a person may be on the radio does not mean their words are in the Bible. Just because they have a private jet. I don't have a private jet. No. It's sad, isn't it? No, not that I don't have a private jet. <laughs> oh, you got to finish your sentences, right? <laughs> It's sad there are so-called prophets and preachers and teachers who take advantage of people and make money on poor people. That's sad. 
Just because a person has a large ministry does not mean they are a Bible preacher. Just because they have a nice smile or nice hair or have a large building or have written books or have theological degrees or a claim among so-called Christians does not mean that they're telling the truth. It's frightening because a lot of what they say sounds spot on. And some of what they say is right. That's what's so deadly about it. Is everybody listening to this? A, a clock, I'm talking about the clock. Remember the clocks with the old hands? <laughs> old school. Even if the battery's dead in it, it's right twice a day. So I'm not saying today these false prophets uh, that some of what they say is not true. That's what's so deadly about it. That's what's so fatal about it is that some of what they say is true. So how do I know? How can I discern? I really feel, I really feel for people that are lost and that want to know the truth. I mean, there are things going on in their life and they need truth right now. And they turn to some, some building that has the word Christian on the outside of it or, or, or some building that it says religious center or, or, or something like that. And they're trying to find out and yet they're just given a bunch of lies. Think about people in the Philippines right now that are trying to follow a man named Apollo uh, uh, Kibaloy. A name I didn't know. Brother Stephen Trimble mentioned it as you fly into Davao that you can see his complex. He's got a private jet and a helicopter and the Garden of Eden. He's building it. 2005, God told him that he, that's, this is what he said. God told him that he is now the appointed son of God. He is the owner of the universe and he runs what is known as the kingdom of Jesus Christ. ABC did a special, I uh, just watched an interview with, with uh, this man, Apollo. And the man asked him, the man that was interviewing him, do you struggle with sin? Do you struggle with anger or lust? He says, uh, as a human, I did but I don't anymore. So obviously now he also deals with lying. <laughs> he says he has 6 million followers. There are people, I mean, and you see he's all dressed in white. The people are all dressed in white. And, and there's, there's a multitude that's there. In fact, it kind of looked like he was dressed like a sheep in white. I'm telling you, he's a ravening wolf. Praying on gullible people, many of them lost, perhaps some of them saved but confused. There's another man in Siberia. I don't have time to tell you about him, but he's got about 5,000 followers that believe he is Christ on earth. Another man in England doesn't have, well, any followers. A man named David Salzer, no, Shaler, something like that, says he's Jesus on earth. Lives in a squatter village. Little girl walked by and said, are you Jesus in the British accent? I just love it. Are you Jesus? He said, excuse me. He said, are you Jesus? She said, are you Jesus? He said, I am. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> Here are three. I mean, that's only three. And I didn't look up anymore. That was enough. Here are three who say, I'm Jesus on the earth. I'm Messiah on the earth. I'm Jesus. Okay, so which three of, who? Which of you three? You can't all three be. You can't all three be. This is confusing. But when you look in the light of the word, it really isn't. Because none of them are. None of them are.
There's many people who would influence your thinking. And you've got to be discerning. We don't need more broad-mindedness. Some say, well, there's plenty of room on the road of diversity, and tolerance, and opinions, permissiveness. Travelers on this road, you can go by your own inclinations, your own desires. There's no expectations on what you believe or how you behave. Evidently, it mattered to Jesus, and it still does. It matters. Because as we saw last week, there's only two ways, and thus there's only two destinations. There's only two ways, that straight gate and that narrow way, and then there's the broad or wide gate and the broad way. One leads to life, one leads to destruction. There's only true. And, and so Jesus has made that very plain to us. And he's also helping us to understand what does it look like if I'm on the right road? And by the way, even in the realm of discipleship, he will help us because there's many people that go in pride and arrogancy, but he wants us as his disciples to walk in humility. There are many who find sin entertaining, but he wants us to mourn over sin. There are many that have an appetite for this world, but he wants us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. There are many who will do only what is easy. He wants us to do what is right, even when it's hard and when it's not popular, even when it brings persecution. Are you listening to me here? I'm just walking through his sermon and seeing what he said here. There are many who want the approval of men, but he wants us to live for the approval of the Lord. There are many that accumulate the possessions of this world, but he wants us to live for that which is eternal. There are many that will do what they think and is right in their own power, but he wants us to do what is right in God's eyes and according to his power. How do you know? He says, beware of false prophets. Um, a prophet is somebody that is sent by God, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Daniel. But there are those in their day and time that claim to be a prophet. There are those that were the elite of Egypt, did sorcery. There were the prophets of Baal. But then there were prophets among Israel who claimed to be for Jehovah, but what they said was completely opposed to what Jeremiah was saying. Jesus dealt with false prophets in his day and time, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. In fact, he called them this, the blind leaders of the blind. He also called them vipers. I don't believe Jesus was very much inclined to go along with political correctness in his day. He just called it like he saw it. You're a whited sepulcher. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. New Testament letters. The reason we have so many New Testament letters is because there was a lot of false teachers in the land. And thus Jude said, I was going to write to you about salvation. But when I thought to do that, I thought I better write to you about how that heresy has come in. Jesus in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 speaks to the churches of that time, that time period, and says to them, listen, you need to understand that there's false doctrine here. and Beware. And so up to this time, we need to understand there is a standard of truth. And if Jesus was okay with anybody's ideas, then he would not have said what he said right here. But truth is not relative to the speaker. Truth is not relative to the hearer. Jesus did not feel the need to accommodate everybody's ideas. Jesus said there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And you need to beware because there are those that pose as sheep, but they're really wolves. A sheep is the most uh, harmless of animals. You know, there's sometimes, I mean, you can just tell that's a bad guy. You know, just out early, you can tell. Okay, hang on, how about this? You can tell the Taliban is not trustworthy. And, and most would easily understand that, but evidently not all. You can't trust the Taliban. But don't you wish that everybody that was a bad influence in your life, that you could just tell, okay, that's a bad influence. I'm going to stay away right there. But it's not always like that. Sometimes they present themselves as harmless sheep. Uh, listen to this, John Stott said, a false teacher does not announce and advertise himself as a purveyor of lies. 
come to this meeting, we're going to tell you a bunch of lies. No, they're claiming truth, aren't they? They're claiming truth. They conceal their dark purpose beneath the cloak of Christian piety. Sometimes they use the language of the Bible. They hide behind uh, high-sounding titles, impressive academic degrees, charm, wit, doctorates, and yet they're dangerous to the flock. Paul said that after my departing, grievous wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. But Jesus is pointing out for us here in these verses, as he says, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. He says to beware because inwardly. So evidently there is a difference between their outward appearance and their inward nature. And we're to beware. Mormons have a lot of family values. Mormons have a lot of nice looking literature. Mormons are really good at videos. Mormons are really good at skits but they're poor at theology. They're deadly in their theology. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They're a cult. They're harmful. They pose themselves as though, as, as a sheep, harmless as a sheep, and yet they'll, their doctrine will send you to hell. It may be today that you're not, you're not dealing with, you know, a, a cult that is kind of luring you in. Uh, but the, by the way, don't think that you couldn't be lured in. If you don't know what the truth looks like, you could be swayed by anything. And that's why it's so important, dear people, that you would, just like all of us, need to be just daily in the Word, daily in the Bible, educating ourselves in what, what God's Word says so that when something phony comes by, you can recognize it. I mean, if all money looked like Parker Brothers' money, I think we all would say that's fake. But every now and then there's counterfeit that looks pretty much like the real thing, unless you've been trained in how to recognize the real thing. But there are other segments of life that make life look so harmless, and yet it's so deadly. Alcohol companies market this every single day. They make that drinking style of life look so okay. It's fine. It's like a sheep. Nothing will hurt you here. I'm telling you, it's a ravening wolf. It'll terrorize your family, split up your home, cause death on the road. Same thing goes for marijuana as well. And yet his pose is, oh, it's okay for everybody. No, it's not. Fornication is marketed every day as though it's okay. It's all right. And, and let's, let's provide means in, in school so that kids can be safe. How about we teach them what God says? Teach them what, what God's way is and that it's the very best way. And everything else is just a counterfeit. The music industry and Time Warner and others that are, that, are, that are paying their profits to make profit. The Lord told us two things to look for, two ways to recognize when you're dealing with something that's de deceitful and dangerous in your life. Look at the fruit and look at the, look at the obedience to the word of God. Look at the fruit. And in fact, he says in verse 16 through 20, he says, you shall know them by their fruits Know them by their, tr their fruits. And he says this, do men gather grapes of thorns? Yesterday we were just working and, and doing, clearing out a, a fence line and, and we came upon a bunch of thorns. And I'll tell you what we didn't find there, grapes. <laughs> bunch of thistles out in the field. Sure would have been nice if figs had been growing on it, but it wasn't there. In other words, he's saying, if this is the nature of that plant, you're not gonna get good fruit out of it. It can't produce... It can't produce fruit contrary to its nature. It's going to produce fruit that reflects its nature. And thus an apple tree produces apples and so forth. By their fruit, you know them. And so he says as much in verse 17 and verse 18. And, and he says that you can be discerning of this. Look at the fruit of that. Look at the fruit of that ministry. Look at the fruit of that doctrine. Look at the fruit of that life. Look at the fruit of that product. Look at the fruit of that person. 
You're trying to make friends. You're trying to discern who ought to be your friend. Look at the fruit in their life. Look at the fruit in their life. Hey, listen, this doesn't just apply to doctrine and theology. This applies to everyday life. This applies to who you're going to marry someday if you're not married. Look at the fruit of their life. Look at the fruit in your life. Fruit that shows that there's a gardener at work in your life. I'm concerned that there would be some that have made a profession of faith but they're, they're not serving the Lord. They're not in church. I mean, I, I get concerned when I hear, oh, X number saved out on, even on door knocking. Well, thank God for those that are genuinely born again. But if they never begin to follow the Lord, what fruit is there? In these big evangelistic meetings, thank God for evangelistic meetings that are true, genuine evangelistic meetings. But if there's not a conversion, if there's not a changed life, has there been a true new birth? Look at the fruit. What fruit should we evaluate? Let me give you these uh, character. Look at their character. Look at their conduct. The fruit of the Spirit would be a good place to evaluate. I'm, not, I'm talking about your life, and I'm also talking about those that are influencing your life. Look and see, do they have manifest the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and, and goodness and meekness and temperance and faith and all those, the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the character in their life. Don't, don't overlook the character. Okay, let me get real practical here. You're making music choices. Do you want having influenced your life those that are immoral and violent or those that are breaking up marriages, then why allow country music or raunchy rap music or heavy metal or any other version of music, whatever it may be, you say, I thought we were talking about theology today and doctrine. It's doctrinating. It's influencing people's thinking. And you need to look at the fruit of the life to see, do I want that kind of fruit in my life? Number two, the content of their teaching. What are they saying? Does it match what is revealed in Scripture? Number three, the influence that comes from their life. The, the results. I've seen the ravishing effects of Calvinism. You look at the results of it. The Bible college that I went to and some of the churches in the area, people came in that had degrees, began to have people over to their houses. And I have friends that I went to school with that are no longer in the ministry because of Calvinism. Churches that are split because of Calvinism. One young man that I know that really got off track due to Calvinism, which is the belief that God only died for a certain group and that only a certain group would be saved, the elect. Listen, he died for all. This young man began to buy that and he got out of church. In fact, he got out on the street and today he's dead. I mean, physically dead. Why? Because false teaching began to influence his life. I realize that's an extreme case, but nonetheless, we've got to, we've got to realize that there can come some in that sounds so good and so right. Look at the results. How about this? What attitude does this produce towards God? I mean, we can evaluate a lot of things this way. Look at the fruit. Does it cause you to have more of a respect and reverence for God? Or does it cause you to treat God like he's your buddy or something? I mean, we can evaluate the the whole progressive movement that way. What does it cause you to think of Jesus Christ? Does it uphold his deity? How about this? Does it make him central? Charismatic theology draws attention to the spirit. The Bible says the spirit would give attention to Jesus. What is it? How does it affect your attitude about the Bible? Does it cause you to doubt the Bible? Does it cause you to question the Bible? Then listen, don't listen to it. Go with what the Word of God says. How does it affect your attitude towards yourself? 
Are we doing all right? Is this, all, is this helping anybody right here? If that's a teaching, how does it make you look at yourself? Does it make you look at yourself like, man, I'm a really good person? That I've got a champion deep in here that's just got to be unleashed. No, you don't want what's in you to be unleashed. Does it cause you to think good of yourself? We, I, my, uh, uh, my wife was just visiting her brother in Springfield and, and they've had an outreach to a, a high school there and seen some young people saved. And one of these young men went with his mom to another, another church before they came to South Campbell Avenue Baptist Church. And, and they just recently went to this other, other building that had the name something on the outside of it that called itself a church. Am I okay? And, and as the young man was walking out with his mom, he said to his mom, hey, mom, what'd you think about that? She said, that wasn't church. And the rocking out and, and uh, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, just watered down preaching. And, and the mom said this. Now, she, as far as I know and he knew, she's an unsaved person. She said this, that wasn't church. And he said, well, mom, how do you know that one church? She said, because I wasn't scared. <laughs> when I go to church, when it's a church that preaches the Bible, I know I'm in trouble with God and I leave scared. Hey, listen, I, I'm not trying to generate fear here, but I'm, I'm telling you on the authority of the word of God, listen, you're a sinner that needs salvation. You are in trouble with God. I wouldn't be right to tell you, oh yeah, you're a good person. You're doing great. Just keep it up. Just, just try a little bit harder. You know, stop smoking, stop drinking, do, stop doing this. And that. I mean, that would help your life, by the way. But, but I'm telling you this, if you don't repent and put faith in Jesus Christ, then you will die and go to hell. It wouldn't be right for me to sugarcoat the message and just kind of make everybody laugh and cut up and feel entertained and, and just go home feeling like, oh man, I feel so motivated to do what? Really? Nothing. It ain't church. How does it influence your attitude towards the world? Does it help you understand the world is adverse to my spiritual life? Or does it make you want to just jump in the world and be just like the world? Now, we got to live in the world. I get that. I understand that. But Jesus is saying to us, there ought to be something different about the way that you live. How does it affect your attitude towards sin? These are good tests. Just look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Because according to verse number 21, let's look at this now again. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, just making the claim does not mean that you have a relationship with him. There are many that claim his name. But sadly, he doesn't claim them. Look what he said in the next part of the verse. He that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Uh, by the way, that is not a works-based approach to salvation. That's what Jesus is saying. All right, if anybody went to sleep, knock them, uh, not knock them out, no, <laughs> nudge them. Help them right here because they need to know that this is not works salvation right here. In, in fact, the contrast here is not salvation by works. The contrast is not between merit and grace. The contrast is between a profession and a true way of life. It's between what is presenting and what is actual. And here are those that make a profession. They claim, and it doesn't have to be as outlandish, outlandish rather, as the man in the Philippines that claims to be uh, the, the Messiah. It doesn't have to be that outlandish. It can just be this, that you claim to be a Christian, but you've never repented of your sin. Never believed like Jesus said to believe. Now, please don't get confused because here, here they are. They're saying, but Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name. We did many works in your name. We did many miracles in your name. Do you understand that according to the New Testament and the Old Testament, that there are lost people that in the power of Satan and the demonic beings, that they do wonders? But on the other hand, you also have people like this, Paul and Peter and James and John and the apostles, and they did signs and they did wonders, but it wasn't for their own benefit. 
And so a message like this that Jesus preached is not to cause Peter, James, and John to doubt their salvation because they were doing good works and claiming him. No, they would keep doing those good works and claiming him because they repented of their sin and placed faith in Jesus Christ. So don't get confused in thinking, well, I've been doing a lot of uh, good things and I've been claiming to, to be saved, but maybe I'm not saved. And you get caught in this seemingly endless controversy in your mind about whether you're saved or not. Let me just simply ask you this. Did you trust Jesus to be your savior? Because acknowledge him in, in acknowledging him as Lord, when it says here, Lord, Lord. Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. In other words, it's essential that a person would recognize him as Lord, as Jehovah. You've got to accept him for who he is. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the, and the same Lord overall is rich unto all that would call upon him. I'm dropping down a little bit in Romans chapter 10 to get to verse 13 that says this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now if that's what you did, then there's no reason for you to doubt your salvation. None, because you took God at his word, God as he was in his person, recognizing there's nothing I can do to save myself. And all I know to do is just call upon him and say, God, I can't save myself. Would you save me? And that very moment you're born again Amen. on the authority of the word of God. Now, when I was eight years old, that's what I did. I told you last week, I understood I was a sinner on the wrong road and I prayed, God, would you save me and put me on the right road? I didn't understand everything there was to understand about the Bible at that point. I was eight years old. But I knew this, I was a sinner. My parents knew that. My brother knew that. He was the recipient of some of it. I'm just simply saying, I was a sinner. I needed a savior. I asked him to be my savior. He saved me. Have you ever doubted your salvation since then? Yes, I did when I was living in sin. You mean you sin after you get saved? Yes. What? Uh, no, I, hey, listen, I still struggle with the old nature just like you do. In fact, I struggled so much and it was having such victory in my life. I began to wonder how can anybody that's saved be doing this? And that's a good point. In fact, the Bible says, make your calling election sure. Make sure you're saved. Examine yourself that you be in the faith. I mean, those things are in the Bible. It's important that you would evaluate. Look at the fruit of your life and look at the obedience of your life. Look, look, at, look at who you trusted as your savior. And so I began to doubt my salvation just because I wasn't really living for God. But it wasn't because I wasn't saved. It was because I wasn't being his disciple. And I even began to pray things like this. Maybe you have too. I call it the ripcord prayer. God, if I'm not saved, save me now. Now I'm pulling the ripcord. How many of you others pull the ripcord? Parachute is fully open. It's already open. <laughs> and I'm panicking trying to open the parachute, figuratively speaking, that's already open. In other words, I wasn't in as much of a free fall as I thought I was. Here's why. I trusted him as my savior. And you will not go to hell having trusted him as your savior and what he did on the cross for you. There's not magic words you say. You may not remember all the events that surrounded it. I was eight. Some of it's kind of blurry to me now, but I know this. I was a sinner in need of a savior and I asked him to save me and he said he would and he did. No need to doubt it. But listen to me very carefully. You ought to be able to look at the fruit of your life and the desire and the effort to be obedient to him as you, as, as your Lord in your life and being his disciple, I'm looking back at verse number 21 and he says, uh, he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. In other words, when conversion comes, there ought to come change. But here's the problem. Barring this illustration from Brother Sam, such a good illustration. I bring in here today for your imagination to see a pine tree. Everybody see it? This is going to really help the sermon. 
if you'll see it, a pine tree. But I have taped or wrapped apples on this pine tree. You see them? And I tell you, this is an apple tree. You say, you're delusional. But I say, but look at the fruit. But that pine tree did not produce those apples. Because a pine tree can't. But an apple tree can. Somebody says, Lord, Lord, I've done all these good works. I, I've, I've cast out demons in your name. I've done this. I've done that. But all the while, you're a pine tree claiming to be an apple tree. Just because you claim it verbally doesn't make it so. There's got to be genuine belief in Christ and Him alone. And then watch this. He gives you a new nature. And then fruit comes. How do you avoid being deceived? The self-deception of the false prophets. How do you avoid that? Look at the fruit. Look at obedience. Look at your own life for your salvation. Make sure you're saved today. And if, if you can't go to what the Bible calls salvation, then you need to be saved. If the, you are saved, but you need to become his disciple because it is possible, according to 2 Peter chapter number 1, for those that are saved to, to forget that they've been cleansed from their old sins. That's, you just check it out later. It's right there. That's what, how I was living as I was 11 years old and need to humble myself and thank, thank God that as a 14-year-old, I began to get under his authority and I stopped doubting my salvation. And you can too. But then also I urge you today to evaluate. Everyone here, evaluate. Who is influencing your life, please check out the fruit and please check out the level of obedience because you need to know where this road's going before you go down it. Let's stand together here today. Who does Jesus acknowledge as authentic? Are you an authentic believer today? Have you trusted Him as your Savior according to the Word of God? If you need more explanation as to that, sometimes in a large gathering like this, obviously it's difficult to field everybody's question. That's the reason we have an invitation so that somebody could come and say, I'd like to know more about that. We'd like to invite you. But I'm also addressing disciples today, people that claim to follow Jesus that are believers, that have been born again. And I'm saying to you, just like Jesus said then, like He says to us now, beware. Beware. There's some things in life, some people in life that can present themselves one way, but they're really a different way. Dear God, help us today to be cautious, to be careful. The influences about us, the false doctrine, the wrong ways of thinking that would lead us down wrong roads, rebellious roads against you. God, help us to begin with the fear of the Lord and to walk in your way. And you'll keep us from evil men and evil women. And you'll keep us from false doctrine. And you'll keep us from self-destruction. God, I pray for anyone here today that does not know you as Savior. Would you help them to step out here in just a moment to, to receive you as Savior, recognizing their spiritual need. Dear God, I pray, help them to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. We're singing page 257. God has spoke to your heart here today. Please don't delay. Just come forward and let somebody pray with you or pray uh, individually on your own. We welcome you to come at this time as Brother Aaron leads us.